0: Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week I'm speaking to Maria Dimitrova, editor of Mal, the journal of sexuality and erotics. I'd first started making these podcasts because I love hearing the stories behind making independent magazines. Often when I meet the editors and designers and publishers themselves, it can totally change the way that I think about the magazine, and that's definitely the case with Maria and Mal. For example, I knew before I met Maria that MAL was launched by FIELD, a dating app. They have a statement at the front of each issue noting that MAL is supported by FIELD and operates with editorial independence and without ads. But I didn't realise that for its first two issues, MAL was actually published digitally, accessible to FIELD users through the app. Similarly, I also knew that their third issue, themed around plant sex, was a collaboration with Serpentine Galleries but I didn't realise that that was the first issue they printed and it was only after the success of that issue that they went back and retrospectively printed issues one and two. Maria speaks about all of that in this conversation and she also talks about how they go about approaching big-name writers like Chris Krauss, who wrote an original piece for their fourth issue, and she reflects on the way that they're following the thread, as she puts it, so taking advantage of opportunities as they arise and allowing the project to take its own direction. I'm a big fan of what Maria and the team are doing, making this serious and intelligent literary journal that also feels so easy and fun. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Maria Dimitrova from MAL. Maria, thank you so much for coming over. Thank you. So, you are the editor of this very, very beautiful literary journal called Mao. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what this magazine does.
1: Uh, of course. Um, Mao is a print and digital uh, quarterly, um, and it publishes essays, fiction, and poetry that, in some way or another, relate
0: to sexuality and the erotic. Mm-hmm. And you've had four issues so far. So you began with um, an issue called That Obscure Object. And then you had Made in Heaven and then Plant Sex and then Real Girls. And I think there's a kind of a thread that runs through them all in terms of the type of sexuality and erotics that you're covering. So maybe you could tell us a bit about like, what are your aims with the magazine?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think the, I mean, the idea. And I think it's worth sort of going back to the origin story because the magazine really was initiated and sort of born within another company, which is a dating app called Field, um, which is, I would say, quite unorthodox, <laughs> quite unconventional. Which I guess the magazine attests to that as well. But uh, part of it was just trying to think about these topics and subjects a bit more seriously and try and. Uh, lend them legitimacy um, and lend them sort of, you know, like a, that sort of space of serious consideration um, that we thought they deserve. Um, and then I just, I was thinking about, um, it, it started again, it also started with like the idea of creating something that is not so perishable, that doesn't have such a short life as a lot of content created right now does, almost creating an, a project that is the most illogical next step for a dating company to initiate. Um, and so that was that was sort of where the thinking started. Um, and then I was also in terms of just uh, long form, uh, and also just um, fiction and poetry, but like publications, that publish long form writing, and that kind of um, literary writing um, don't seem, there doesn't seem to be an obvious place for considering these themes. And I thought, and I actually thought of so many fantastic examples before, when we did a mock-up initially, um, we had, you know, sort of the, in a way the examples that we would list would be like, I don't know, Juna Barnes, Audrey Lorde, Yves uh, Kosov- Kosovsky, Sedgwick, there's so many, there's such a great prehistory of that kind of writing, mostly in theory and academia, but I was like, I was thinking it doesn't have to be so, and in fact, a lot of these things are now being republished, or being, you know, becoming relevant again. So in a way, we just wanted to create that place where that kind of writing can have, you know, can just, can just exist, and it feels sort of, well, it feels at home.
0: And, I mean, one of the most striking things about the magazine is the quality of the writing that you have in there. So, in the latest issue, uh, you have a piece by Chris Krauss, mm-hmm. who you know she's a properly famous author. So, how how did that come about?
1: Um, well, I was I mean I was very delighted that we we had we had that short story. We um, I contacted. I mean, like a lot of the writers, um, I contacted. There were a couple of people I had encountered through my own writing. Um, as a freelance writer for a few publications but uh, crisscross we contacted purely with the the idea of the project um sent sending that initial prototype explaining the idea behind it in a similar way um and she from the very beginning even before we had issue 1 was interested um agreed to submit something and then there was you know as always that doesn't always happen i mean that that's just that 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 that's you know that's quite quite um common but then um Then, you know, we kept we kept in touch. And then she sent me like at some point in the summer, she sent me this fantastic story. We were initially we almost had the issue ready. But then uh, I was like, stop. (laughs) We we must we must we must put it in. I I thought it fit really well with everything else. And I thought we were incredibly lucky. um, And we were very honored to have it.
0: And then also in that same issue, you have uh, Luke Brown's story which was commended in Best Original Fiction at the Stack Awards this year, which is is one of the stories that, I mean, I remember when I read it, not for the awards, but just read it previously. Mm -hmm. It's one of those stories that has got your attention right from the start. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could, uh, for anyone who's not seen it, maybe tell that story and how that one came about.
1: Oh God! Uh, summary of that story: it it takes place within its uh, female protagonist, and it takes place as she meets three different men uh, in the space of a day. But it really is, um, I mean, it's there's a lot of situational comedy, um, and with that, there's actually really serious consideration of a lot of the contemporary um, sexual politics, political sexual sexually political issues that we're discussing right now, there's definitely um, allusions to Me Too, there's, uh, there's allusions to male privilege, and it's, it's again, it's a, there's a lot of provocation in the fact that it's a male writer writing with the voice of a, um, of a female protagonist, who is very wry and sort of quite, she, she's just very funny and very, um, uh, you know, I think someone who's actually thinking really seriously through these through these topics while While in a story that's very compulsively readable, Um, so yeah, I mean, just I mean, it starts off with like um, her, (laughs) her seeing someone else on the train watching, uh, watching like porn clips uh, covertly uh, next to her. um, You know, just after like reading a poetry collection. So I'll just I'll let you read the rest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so the so the this female character on the train sees a guy who's reading a poetry collection that she's also just been reading and is thinking of strike up conversation, and then he starts looking at porn on his phone, and she has this kind of this little frisson of like a, an interaction with him, mm. based on that, and it strikes me that, I mean this is a difficult thing to do because you're talking about sexuality. And as you say, the, there's a lot of politics that comes along with that and a lot of issues that people will find very serious and, and very personal to them. But you're managing to do it in a way that is like it's really intelligent, like you feel clever while you're reading this magazine, but it also just feels really natural and fun as well. That, I mean, how do you go about pulling these stories together?
1: That sounds... I'm so glad you said all of this. I mean, this is, this is such a relief to me. Um, and, no, a big part of... Again, I, I it wouldn't really be right for me to take credit for, for that. I think it's just we... A lot of it is just the writers we work with, um, Luke Brown's story. I mean, so much of it, again, when I say I felt lucky that we received Chris Krause's story, I felt lucky when I read um, Luke Brown's story uh, because there is, there is just a strong sense of... By giving writers that space... Um, you actually, yeah, you get work that you really feel like. Oh, I just, I just gave you the platform. There's, you know, there's, um, you know, there's very little otherwise that I feel I could legitimately um, claim credit for. The thing we really try to do and think about um, seriously is how to put together the texts. Uh, the teams always, well, we try to have sort of a slight, maybe a slight provocation, but never, you know, not never to be glib, never to be. Um, just to try and just sort of skirt on the line of as you said like things that are you know that are very important that maybe could be offensive that maybe could be controversial but not ever do controversy for the sake of it um Mm -hmm. which to me again is a big a big part of or you know i guess a a big challenge that any sort of writing and thinking about sexuality uh, faces Mm -hmm. um and so just just really just to give it give it sort of Air to breathe, and these issues and these themes to be to be explored. I mean, I, I'm. I, it's it's nice that you sort of cite the two the two stories, um, which I really love. But then there's also. I was actually very worried about the reception of the two poetry pieces we had, because both of them deal with very, um, very, I would say, also potentially controversial topics. One being incest, and the other being adolescent sexuality. So. It, 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 it took It took a lot of work and consideration thinking about how these texts speak to each other, do they belong together um, and
0: what are they actually adding to the conversation mm-hmm. so that conversation then I think that you mentioned already that this magazine unusually started in another organization so mm-hmm. so field is a dating app yes. um which i th- am i right in saying that the idea is for people getting together who may already be in relationships, and so it's a, I guess a kind of a more uh adventurous type of dating app maybe than like the the sort of like you know two singles getting together How much do you know about where this idea first came from and when did you get involved with it
1: um yeah absolutely and in fact it's 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 interesting you say adventurous a lot of a lot of what actually i i found quite special about field they're trying to actually it is you're right the the i guess the focus is um for people who potentially already are in a relationship to think about um i suppose dating uh, within that and also for uh people from any uh you know with any gender or sexual identity feeling at home um so it really is sort of maintaining that like um, level of tolerance um, which which is the which is the the main thing, but i think their their objective uh, is or i think this, they say like the mission is to normalize sexuality to really rather than make this uh, something that we might term adventurous or um, or unconventional or you know or something that in a way raises an eyebrow and I can tell you lots of eyebrows have been raised in my experience <laughs> when i 've mentioned the moment you mention field and try to explain what it is at a dinner party that's that's really it's it 's trying to maybe make that reaction less of an you know, eyebrow raising one and more of a this is part of life and sexuality um, and it deserves a place. And it's actually something that we can talk about outside, sort of slightly more hidden um, way. And then how the magazine started, I, um, I mean, it sort of it, it started in, in conjunction with me. I initially uh, did some work um, with Field, met um, the people who run it. Uh, and then they asked me to do more, and then there was, we we talked about, they told me they've always wanted a magazine, and they, I think they maybe there was one attempt or there there was some initial idea of doing it with someone, uh, and we talked about it a bit. I came up with very initial thoughts about, um, you know, about Mao, uh, put together a proposal, they liked it, and then we greenlit it and just, Moved forward with it. The really the biggest thing I would say, the sort of most important component was um, being able to do that with editorial independence, as we say everywhere, because that really has been the essential ingredient. Um, and it's also what, again, I think makes Field so kind of um, extraordinary in that context, because it is difficult to do that. I think the, I think when a publication like this, and there are a lot of examples, um, there are, and there are also quite like you know I can think of, I mean. You know, there's uh, Real Life Mag, uh, which is um, you know it's a digital magazine about technology and culture that is funded by Snapchat. There's a lot of similar magazines, but I think the fact that there is no no interference, no requirement, no um, no real direction that comes from within the company, but like more like again a space and support uh, that's been that's really been the that's been integral part of the origin story.
0: And so, what do Field do with this? Is this something that they send out to people, or is it more something that sits out there in shops and maybe it's someone's first introduction to this company?
1: I mean, to be honest, I think definitely we're at the stage of figuring it out uh, together uh, because it's it did it did start initially on it's a bit like an experiment because it is a very experimental organization. That's really how the the, the ethos of it. I mean, it is. Um, it's sort of probably worth saying it's sort of non-hierarchical um, and self-managed. So there is a lot of space for trying to do things without necessarily maybe having a very grand top-down strategy. Uh, which again, I mean, I think I think it's probably already there's probably already hints of something like that because it's such a um, non-traditional project, I suppose. Um, what so the, um, the magazine is accessible through the app. Um, and we're thinking, um, and I know there are plans to integrate it a bit more meaningfully for the field community, because it is really, it was created with with, with it in mind in many ways. Um, and for people who maybe are interested in these topics outside just dating, outside just a very pragmatic transactional um, experience uh, that a lot of people associate with apps, that field really is trying within its product, but also with projects like Mao, with projects like its own experience series its own event series to try and subvert so it is actually within like the sort of ethos or worldview of the company it's actually very coherent it's very um aligned with that um but yeah what so what they do really is um again just lend support in the events Um, we do and participate in them and I do work I mean our designer is also the creative director of field so there's a lot of resource sharing um, and we're definitely trying to make it to make it more I guess accessible or useful or interesting to people who might not as I said don't come from it through the magazine independent magazine route which right now is probably where most of our readers come through but maybe come through someone who is curious about sexuality and would like to find a publication like this for them.
0: So you've mentioned the events that you run uh, a few times, and that's, that's clearly a big part of, of what you're doing. So when you have a, a MAL event, what are the things that you're trying to do with that, and, and how do you go about that?
1: Well, it really, again, it, a lot of it was uh, trial and error and... Just taking opportunities when they came. We were very lucky and very grateful to the ICA who um, who hosted our launch um, in November 2018, uh, and really starting that and doing that kind of part- partnership. Because some of them have been, you know, events, and but but a lot of them have actually felt like partnerships, um, and that that made that really allowed us to continue on that route. We did an event um, on the occasion of the Modern Couples exhibition at the Barbican earlier this year, and then we did a much bigger partnership that, you know, that resulted in a co-published issue uh, with Serpentine Galleries. So there's been, so it's really, it really has been testing the format of what an event can do. Um, the component always is having um, either uh, current or future contributors of ours reading and just being having having the platform and um, the opportunity to perform their work in a way that they want, um, in a shorter way, longer way, in a promenade way, on a stage. It really, it, it slightly depends on, again, on on the contributor the format etc our next event for example it's it's in it, again it's slightly different than any, any of the other ones uh, it's happening on the 17th of december at mimosa house gallery uh, which is a small independent uh, gallery uh, and uh, it's with our contributor from issue two fiona duncan who also i believe her piece uh, phoenix goddess temple i believe was shortlisted for the best original Nonfiction award which we were again very happy about um and so she she has a new book out a lot of it is it, it is slightly part of her being here because she's she's based in new york her being here and we wanted to do something with her and then we and then sort of the thread the thread sort of kept kept sort of um oh we just kept we just followed that thread and so the event uh the event is not immediately related to one of our issues it's uh it's called class acts uh, and it. It it thinks about class and sexuality and has uh, Reba Mabry, Hugh Lemmy. And it will also, for the first time, uh, include video screened readings of our contributors. So Eileen Miles and Natasha Stagg will be screened reading their MAL contributions.
0: So it feels like this is a really good way for someone to come across MAL for the first time, Mm -hmm. but also for someone who does know something about the magazine to maybe get a little bit more and, and go a bit deeper.
1: Absolutely. And I think just adding that sort of performance element of the text, I think that's, I find that quite important, not even just because it's because of the theme, well, because I think there is something, I mean, I think, and especially with poetry, but not only, I think the performance of a text really has, is a big part of it um, very often. And I think having having that, being able to offer that as well as part of the Mao experience is quite important to us. And also, as you very rightfully say just raise awareness about it mao is still very small uh, we're only a year old um, so we're trying very much to get more people to who would like us to find out about us
0: okay so th- so this is the key question now then so how do you go about doing that because you've got so we, we've got the four issues in front of us now and they're mm-hmm. these beautiful block color uh, covers but i think deliberately quite quiet the you know there, there's there aren't any like Big headlines, there's no pictures on the covers. How are you getting these out in front of people and finding those new readers?
1: Well, a lot of it had to do with well, my my crash course in distribution, magazine, print magazine distribution. We were initially um, published only digitally. We had our first print edition um, with the Serpentine, which was issue three, and it was actually we actually found that it was more successfully disseminated and more people found out about us through seeing that printed object with this like bright pink cover. Um, and actually it made, it just made a lot of sense once we saw it. We thought initially it might be just a one-off. Um, and then we made the decision to go and print fully, to print issue one and two retrospectively. Um, really? Yeah, so that's, right. that's, that was our publication schedule. So in a way we didn't start off doing print. And when. Um, and in terms of the visual identity, um, that is very much the the work of Steve O'Connell, our designer, who I think is brilliant. I love his work. Um, and we actually it, it is quiet, but I I have found that actually these sort of very bright covers with this sort of strange texture of like this sort of embossed paper that he chose um, that I'm again I really really love. Um, that actually gave us that sort of slightly more distinctive identity. And then the other thing that again was very it was a very lucky and, and sort of positive, um, uh, positive development was just being able to be distributed more widely. We were recently picked up by Antenna Books, who are distributors, and that that really helped um, putting us out there in more places and more people finding out about us through seeing the print copy rather than the other way around. As you can see, our website is very minimal as well. And that's, that, that's sort of, again, that started with this ethos of like make the sort of least content-driven, least clickbaity, most print-like, visual identity as possible Um, but we are trying to get more readers so
0: we're constantly trying to balance those two imperatives. And so looking ahead then you've been on a quarterly publishing schedule thus far Mm -hmm. in 2020 are we we expecting to see uh, another four issues come out by the end of next year?
1: Yeah we are we might push the envelope of the term quarterly which might mean three (laughs) or four a year as I'm sure you know as (laughs) someone in magazine publishing we we definitely are planning to have three issues in 2020 for sure Um, our next one um, issue five um, will be coming uh, either late January or first half of February Um, so stay tuned
0: excellent well um, I'm a a really big fan of what you've done so far so um, congratulations uh, and looking forward to seeing more
1: thank you so much thank you for having me
0: Okay, that's all for this week. I would like to say thanks again to Maria for coming over and speaking about the project. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that new issue when it arrives at the start of next year. I am recording this episode on Thursday the 5th of December so as I speak there's less than two weeks left of our Christmas offer. If you know somebody who'd enjoy receiving our surprise magazines each month head over to stackmagazines.com forward slash Christmas and you can choose a free magazine for them when you set up the subscription. We also just launched our new batch of independent magazine pins in the Stack Shop. They are totally beautiful and ideal for secret Santa gifts or stocking fillers. So go to stackmagazines.com forward slash shop to choose from pin badge versions of Flaneur, MacGuffin, Real Review, and many more. Thank you very much for listening to this one. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll be back with another episode next week.